0: He knew me, yet he loved me. Isn't that wonderful? But God commended his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew who I was, he knew everything about me. He knows more about me than my wife knows. And he still loves me. Keep loving me. Where you go? Isn't that wonderful, news? And he knows you. He knows exactly where you are today. He knows exactly what you need today. He knows every failure, every fault, and He loves you anyway. And He proved His love by sending His Son to die for us. First Peter chapter number one. Today, as we pick up and continue here in our series through the, the book of First Peter, at least through chapter one. Maybe we'll take a little break after that. But boy, I want, the music's been good today. Thank thank you again for all those that that serve. I don't say thank you enough. I just want to say thank you today all the different ministries, all the different ways our folks serve, and, and uh, I appreciate you guys, and I just want you to know that today. If you remember where we are in our series, there's been a lot going on. Peter here's writing to, to Christians who are under persecution. The Rome, is, uh, Rome is going after anybody that doesn't bow to, to, the, to Nero. Instead, they, they're, they're, they're persecuting, burning them at the stakes, being murdered for simply believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now can you imagine today, we we think think we're we're under persecution persecution today, nothing like like they were going through. and then, then last time we were together we, we talked about Paul's writing, or I'm sorry, Peter's writing to this crowd that's under persecution and he's telling them uh, he's telling them listen, don't ever forget about the wonderful truths of salvation. We'll see some more of that today. But also in the midst of trials, last time we were together, we learned some, some biblical truths about trials. We learned some truths like this. Trials are seasonal. Isn't that good news? Hey, if you're in one right now, guess what? Seasons come and seasons go. Just hang in there, hold on to the Lord. It's going to come and it's going to go. Praise God, they're seasonal. We learned that trials were straining, that, that, that they do. They, 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 they take our strength from us, and, and they're, they're heavy, and they're manifold. And he said that in verse number six. And, and then we learned that trials also do this. They strengthen us. See, you are who you are today, and I am who I am today. And, and we may not be much, but I can tell you this. If you've gone through a trial, and you've seen God provide, and you've seen God help you through that trial, you're a whole lot more than you were before you went into the trial. And they strengthen us and they get us ready so we can become more like Christ. And that was our last truth we looked at, that they're sanctifying, that that he uses these trials and the fires of them to to, to burn off the impurities and make us pure and conform us into the image of Christ. And that's what we looked at last time. Well, today as he concluded here in verse 7 and 8, he told us about that trial. Remember, it's our faith it's always being tried. He said in verse 7, the trial of our faith being much more precious than of gold it perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and glory, uh, honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He said, listen, there's going to be an end to your trial. And like the old uh, old songwriter used to say, uh, uh, it'll be worth it all one day when we see Jesus. Huh. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his face, <laughs> all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. And he tells us in verse 8, he says, uh, Whom having you seen not, you love, and whom ye, ye, now you see him not. Yet believing you ye rejoice, and look how we rejoice, with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. He said, Listen, the end is worth it all. But I came to tell you today, not only is the end worth it all, <laughs> right now it's worth it. See, we can rejoice today with a joy unspeakable and full of glory today, and there's lots of reasons we can do that. And he's going to go on to explain why we can rejoice today, and I simply called this, I had a hard time coming up with the name for this message, but reasons to rejoice in our redemption is what I called it. So if you look at verse 8, that's where we're kicking off from. He said, rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. How and why? Stand, let's read our text this morning as we pick up in verse number nine. Reasons to rejoice. Rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? Look what it says in verse number nine. It says, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what and what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you, by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. There's some some mighty, 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 mighty truths in this passage. This isn't one we often preach. This isn't one we often dig into. This is one we kind of read over and move on. But can I tell you, you can rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory not just because jesus is coming again but you can do it today right where you live let's learn how today and why father would you bless now the teaching and preaching of your word father if there's one here that knows you not as lord and savior let today be the day that they put their trust in jesus christ and him alone for their salvation but father the message ultimately today is for us as christians Lord, we can get so discouraged, we can get so down, we can get so looking at this world, we forget everything, not only that you promised in the future, but everything that we have right now. Help us to see what the Old Testament prophets couldn't even understand. Help us to see today what the angels couldn't even understand, of how great your salvation is. Thank you for redemption through Jesus Christ. Uh, Bless now the teaching and preaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing I started with this, reasons to to rejoice with a joy unspeakable full of glory. And the first thing I wrote down is reason number one. is because of salvation's culmination. It's completion, in other words. Look with me, verse number nine. The Bible says this, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. What does it mean when he wrote the end of our faith? Let's make sure we understand it and break this down. Does Peter mean that one day our faith will end? Actually, yeah. He said, what? Our faith's going to end one day? The answer is absolutely not. There's coming a day, friends, where you and I will no longer need faith. Y'all, y'all understand that? Why? Because our faith one day, listen, is going to become sight. Here's how Paul put it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know you know this verse. Most of you know it because it's an Alan Jackson song. But before it was an Alan Jackson song, hey, it was a it was scripture. Amen? And he said this, and now, faith, uh, now by the faith, hope, and charity, these three... The greatest of these is charity. How come love, agape love, charity, is greater than faith, is greater than hope? How come that's true? Because there's coming a day, friends, and this is, this is, praise God for this, there's coming a day where I will no longer need faith. There's coming a day where I will no longer need hope. You know what hope means in the Bible? It is an earnest expectation. It's a confident expectation. Uh, and the Bible talks about that hope. It says we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. I'm looking forward to the blessed hope. Amen. I'm looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. But listen, when he comes in the clouds and the church is caught up out here, I'll no longer need hope because I'll be with you. And guess what? I'll no longer need faith because I will see the one I believe in today that I I've never seen. If you can rejoice in him today with a joy unspeakable and full of glory, the one you've never seen, Peter told us a few verses ago, boy, we can rejoice in the promise that we will one day see him and no longer need faith, no longer need hope, but the one thing that never goes away is love. Charity. Amen. In fact, it'll be the first time we truly understand what love is. See, you and I, we really don't know what. We really, I mean, we read in the Bible, we study, but you know, we only understand love because he first loved us. And we still don't get it. But one day, eyeball to eyeball, I'm going to see my Savior. And I'm going to, I'm going to finally understand what true agape charity love means. And that day I will no longer, I will no longer need faith. I will no longer need hope. Listen. the Bible tells us we're to walk by faith while we're here and not by sight but I'm telling you one day my faith will become sight the Bible says to be absent for the body to be present with the Lord Listen. when your heart takes its last tick if you know Christ is your Savior when you take your last breath you will no longer need faith and hope there will come an end to your salvation and thank God receiving the end of our faith there will be no more faith needed but look at the rest of the verse now we're not done I I want you to understand this it says receiving the end of your faith when I won't need it anymore because i all now see by sight what I've always believed by faith. Even the salvation of your soul. Did y'all see that? Now to completely understand verse, the end of verse 9 here. We need to understand some doctrinal truths about salvation. Now, I've covered some of these before, but, but I want you to get it this morning. Uh, see, so folks, look at this. So, so what do you mean? I'll, I'll finally be saved? I'm going to receive the salvation of your soul? I thought I was saved. Here's what you need to understand. Salvation is in three tenses. It is past, it is present, and it is future. This is important to understand. You said, I don't get that, preacher. You preach all the time that when I trusted Christ, when I repented and believed the gospel, that Jesus died for me, was buried for me, and rose again for me, that day, you preacher, you've told me I got saved, I got sealed, and I'm secured forever. You absolutely are. But you're what do you mean? My salvation's not complete. What do you mean past, present, and future? What are you talking about here? Preacher, well listen, here's what we got to understand. Praise God, not only were you saved, and that's what he told us in verse number 5 about that secure part. There's a lot of people who believe you can lose your salvation. Hey, if you can lose your salvation, that means you had to do something to get it in the first place. Amen? And if you had to do something to get it in the first place, then why did Jesus have to die? I say this with a kind spirit and a kind heart, although it won't sound that way. That is the most absolute most prideful belief in this world. But to think, so think you got to do something. something, you, me, I can do something, to one, do enough works to get saved, or to stay saved. Friends, you don't understand salvation, if that's the case. Hey, there's nothing we could do. We're filthy, nasty, we are undone, there's, there's no, none that doeth good, no, not one. There's no righteousness in me or you, but praise God, he did it all. He does the saving and the keeping. We're kept by the power of God, he said in verse number 5. If you think you've got to do something to add into it, can I just tell you, friends, you must thank your God. Paul put it this way: He said, "We're sealed until the day of redemption." Jesus put it this way: He said, "I give unto them our eternal life, and they shall never perish, and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand." He said, "My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hands." Jesus said it this way, John six thirty seven: He that cometh to me in no wise will I cast out. Yes, friend, if you've repeat, repented and trusted and believed in the gospel that Jesus died for you, you are saved for an eternity. What he means here is your salvation will be finally complete. We will receive at the end of our faith the salvation of our souls. Let me illustrate this way. The day I got saved beside that race car at Side Speedway, I kneeled down beside the driver's door like I'd started doing because I was such a great Christian, right? <laughs> Wasn't even saved yet. So I'd been going to church, and I kneeled down there to pray my token prayer. Some of y'all pray on, You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Lord, keep me safe and help me win the race. That was my prayer. Hey, I was a praying man. <laughs> Keep me safe. Help me win the race. I'd been hearing the gospel preach for week after week after week how I need to repent and I need to put my trust in Jesus Christ, how he died for me, how he loved me, how he would forgive me of my sin and that sin penalty is going to be paid for one way or the other. It's going to be paid for us by being cast into the lake of fire which is the second death or it's going to be paid for or we can accept Jesus' payment on the cross for it. And I kneeled down there that day to do my token prayer, but God got a hold of my heart. He said, it's time. Get it. And I repented. I trusted Jesus. I, I didn't understand all that theologically. I tried to tell him every sin I've ever committed in my life. I didn't re- realize I understand. I just had to repent of being a sinner. Amen. I was listing everything I could. And I was there beside my race car. Most of you heard my testimony. I was there praying so long. My, my crew came down and said, hurry up. They're, they're, race, they're doing the parade laps. You need to get on the track. I was a points leader at the time. That was a pretty big deal. I hadn't even gotten in my car. And if y'all seen me do anything? There's only one thing I do fast. And that's drive a race car. <laughs> I'm pretty slow, Amen, and uh, and so so I finally got in the car, went out, <laughs> won race. Praise God! What a testimony! <laughs> that day, I got saved from every sin I've ever committed, every sin I was committing, and every sin I ever will commit. It was say I was saved, I was sealed, and I was secured on that day. I was saved from the penalty of sin. But well, does he mean by this? Well, salvation's three tenths. That was past. That was done and that was forever. But it's also present. I am being saved. And if you were here last week, you heard that all the way through the message. It was, it was a hidden theme all the way through the message. I am being saved from the power of sin in my life. I was saved from the penalty. I am being saved from the power. Romans t- chapter 6 tells us clearly that we, ha- we can say no to sin. When we, we learn to yield to the Spirit of God instead of to our flesh, we can, we, we, can, we can say no to that sin that besets us. And we have that power once you get saved living inside of us through the Holy Spirit of God. And we can say no to sin. I am being saved from that. Listen, I'm not much, but I can tell you I am what I used to be. Amen. And to the God be the glory. I'm being saved from the power of it one day, friends, future, I will be saved from the presence of it. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, listen, it's going to finally culminate. You're going to, when your faith isn't needed anymore, when you see Jesus by sight, hey, salvation will be complete. Your past, present, future, you'll be removed from the presence of sin because you'll be in the presence of an almighty God forever in a glorified body. Praise God for that. I'm looking forward to that day. I don't know about you. I'm thankful that, that Jesus does works all the way through that salvation, salvation's uh, culmination. And can I tell you, that is a reason to rejoice today with a joy unspeakable and full of glory because of salvation's culmination. Write this down as we continue on. Not only that, but, but rejoice about this. Hang with me and I'll tell you why to rejoice about it here in a little bit. But salvation's concealment. Salvation's concealment. What do you mean by that, preacher? Read with me, verse 10. Back to our Bible. Amen. The Bible says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory of. That should follow. Now understand a few things here. The prophets that Peter's writing about here, under the inspiration of God, that was the Old Testament prophets, and he was reminding them that they spoke of this salvation, this this redemption that you and I get to enjoy because we've been saved by the grace of God if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. They they spoke about this culmination of our salvation. They spoke of a salvation they didn't even fully understand spoke of really three truths. And look at, look with me as we look at them. First of all, they spoke about this, the great grace that was to come. The great grace that was to come. And read with me in verse number 10. The Bible says this, it says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the, what's it say there? The great grace, or I I added great, amen, because it is great. The grace that should come unto you. Now, preacher, what what does that mean? I'm just telling you this. Even though they spoke about it, even though they wrote about it, they didn't fully understand all the details of it. In fact, listen to Daniel 12 and verse 8. He said this, And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? See, God used these prophets, He told them to write, write about this great grace that's going to come to us. And, and they, they wrote down, under the inspiration of God, exactly what God told them to write, even though they didn't understand, fully understand, that great grace they were writing about. and they couldn't see this dispensation we live in. They couldn't see this church age. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute. All, they, all God showed them was there was a Messiah who was going to come, and he was going to die for their sins and, and be buried rose again. They understood that much. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know when he was going to come and they certainly didn't understand Fully grace. That's why Paul spent so much time explaining grace all through the New Testament. They, 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 were, they, were, they were under the law and they didn't fully understand that grace. And, and so, so the, the Bible says that they wrote these things even though they didn't understand it all. He said of which salvations the prophets inquired and searched. And they prophesied it but they, they understood it was coming and they wrote what God told them to write. But they didn't fully understand it. Not only did they not understand that, they, they, the, the great grace, they didn't fully understand the great grief of Christ, although they wrote about it. Look what it says in verse 11. It says, searching what and what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify. When it testified, It's the Holy Spirit, beforehand the sufferings of Christ. They wrote all about their sufferings. They wrote all about a crucifixion, even though crucifixion didn't exist at the time. They wrote about Jesus Christ, and even though they didn't know who he was, they wrote about this one who was going to bleed and die and suffer for the sins of the whole world. They didn't know who he was, when it was. They didn't understand how it was going to happen, but they knew it was going to happen, because God had told them, and they wrote it down. Listen to to how David wrote it in Psalm 22, verse number 1. He actually wrote exactly what this one, he didn't know who he was, was going to say when he did come. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Y'all remember Jesus saying that hanging on the cross? (laughs) Listen, David wrote that, exactly what he was going to say when he's hanging on the cross, and he wrote it, wrote it over a thousand years before Jesus ever went there. Uh, isn't that wonderful? And then Jesus on the cross that day said, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabatia, he said to, to my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They wrote the details, even though they didn't understand they even understand the crucifixion. The rest of Psalm 22, listen to what he wrote. He said, they gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a lion, line. And I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint, and my heart is like wax and is melted in the midst of the bowels. My strength is dried up like a, a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of, uh, of death, From dogs have compassed me. The se- assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. How did he know that 1,000 years before it's going to happen? Did he understand what he was even writing? Not really. He said, I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me, talking about Jesus hanging on that cross, they part my garments among them, and cast my lots upon my vesture. Listen, the details with which he wrote, uh, he, even though he didn't understand it, it he told us this, the great grief that our Christ was going to come, it was, it was concealed for them, even though they wrote it and told us all about it. Listen to Isaiah 53. He said this, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root of the dry ground. And he hath no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected a man, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and, and we as we ahead were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by and with his stripes we are healed. All oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned our everyone to His own way, and the Lord had laid on Him the iniquity of us. all oh, they saw the grief, they saw the sufferings of Christ, even though they didn't understand really what they were seeing. And here we are today, looking back, and we understand the one they were talking about was Jesus. And they took the promises. Wrote them down under the inspiration of God. And they wrote them down for us. They turned the world upside down. What do we do when we understand the fully revealed truth? With the great grace that was to come. The great grief of Christ. Now, even though they wrote it, they didn't understand it fully. The connection between the two. Look lastly here at the, in verse number 11. They also understood the great glory that should follow. It says that when they testified in verse 11 beforehand of the sufferings of Christ, how he bled and died for my sin and your sin and the sins of the whole world. But then, he said, then they said, and the glory that should follow. See, they could see the kingdom of heaven here on earth and they, they knew the Messiah was going to come and he was going to set up his kingdom and can I just tell you what a glorious time that's going to be they could see the future glory when Jesus was going to rule and return after the tribulation period set up his thousand year literal reign here on earth and roll with a, a rod of iron and I'm going to tell you what when the lamb and the lion and they lay down together amen they saw there wasn't a time when there'd be no more strife no more hatred no more hate they saw a time when, when we would all be in harmony under the leadership of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What a glorious time that's going to be. They saw that. They they understood parts of that, but you know what they couldn't understand? What was going to happen between them? They saw two mountain peaks of truth. This is important to understand to keep your theology right. They could see the Messiah who was going to come. In fact, they even prophesied That he was going to be born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Amen. That don't mean a young woman. That means a woman's never been with a man. They prophesied exactly where he was going to be born. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know when he was going to come. They certainly didn't know uh, when they were writing this. That they were expecting him any time. That there was going to be about a thousand years after most of them wrote it. and 400 of which years there was no word from God to man whatsoever. We call them the dark ages. From the end of Malachi until Matthew. Uh, uh, there, there's, there's 400 years that go by that nobody heard a word from God. Can you imagine living in that time? They didn't understand all that. our Malachi, if you're Italian. Amen. Uh, but but they, they didn't understand that period. But, uh, but they knew he was coming. They could see the great mountaintop truth that there was a Messiah coming and he was going to suffer in some way. But then they said, and when he comes, they thought he was going to build his kingdom. What they didn't realize is that's later. They were on the mountain peak of Calvary. They could see that. And then they could see the, the wonderful truth that the Lord was going to return and set up his kingdom and on Mount Olive. But they couldn't see the valley in between. Guess where we live? Right in that valley in between. We call it the church age. We call it the dispensation of grace. And there's all kinds of names for it. I just want to tell you, they, could just, they, they couldn't understand what we understand today. And we got some reasons to rejoice because we get the whole picture, amen. In verse 10 they said they inquired, they searched diligently, they searched and inquired in verse number 11 for who was this Christ and what he was and when he would come. They didn't understand any of that. In fact, no one even knew who the Messiah's name was going to be until Matthew 121 when the prophet wrote, and he shall bring forth a son they shall call his name Jesus. They were expecting him many times. And it, it wasn't until 400 years after Malachi that John the Baptist comes on the scene. He's out there baptizing, and he's out there preaching one message. You know what his message was, by the way? It was pretty simple. It was repent. The message, we don't even hear much preached anymore. He had one word. He had one, one message. That was it. Now, I'm telling you what, he wouldn't have been a popular guy today, would he? His church, if he was a pastor of a church, it wouldn't be full. He wouldn't have many friends on Facebook. Repent! That was it. Change your mind. Turn to Jesus Christ. Turn to the Messiah. And he was out preaching that and baptizing those that had repented. And then he's in River Jordan, old muddy river. And one day here comes the Savior of the world walking down through there. And you know what he said. He saw him. He identified him. He said Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. These prophets didn't understand all this that was going to go on during this time. But just because they didn't fully understand it they still wrote it under the inspiration of God. Don't think for one minute they were saved any other way. They didn't fully understand it, but they still believed it. This is important to understand. Now, I know we got a few electricians in here. But most of us, if we get real honest, don't fully understand electricity. We don't fully understand We just know we hit this switch and boom, (laughs) something's there. What makes all that happen? Where it come from? How to generate? We don't fully understand that. But just because we don't fully understand it don't mean we don't believe when we hit that switch there's going to be a lot. Isn't that right? And I tell you, listen, just because you don't fully understand the Bible, just because you don't fully understand everything there is about Jesus Christ, don't let that keep you from believing. This morning. They didn't fully understand, but they believed. See, the Old Testament say, saints were not saved by keeping the law. The law never saved anybody. Amen. The law was a, was a schoolmaster, it was to show us that we needed salvation. No one's ever been saved by keeping the law, no one's ever been saved by work. They were saved by the same faith that you and I are saved. The only difference was they looked ahead at these promises that there was a Messiah coming, even though they didn't know who he was, even though they didn't know when he was coming, even though they didn't really understand fully the crucifixion, they preached it anyway. In fact, the Bible even says the gospel was preached unto Abraham. Can you imagine preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and you don't even know who Jesus Christ is and what they're talking about? They preached it anyway. Then they here's what they did. They just by faith believed that one day this Messiah was going to come, and they was accounted it unto them, of, uh, uh, unto them for righteousness because of their faith, not because of their works. Now here we are a little later. We're on the other side. Jesus has come. He has died. He has rose again. He has ascended to heaven. And very soon he's going to come again in the clouds. Amen. And we're looking back on what has happened. They were saved by faith in the gospel message before it even happened that it was going to happen. We're saved by faith that it did happen. It's always been the gospel message. And it's always been by faith. And this, this, the, these details of this salvation was concealed to them. But today, listen, friends, it has been revealed to us. Now, that is a reason to rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. We got the revealing of it all. To them, they wrote it, but it was concealed. They didn't understand all the truth. And if they could rejoice and by faith trust in the one that was to come, we can surely look back on the most recorded historical fact that ever existed, that Jesus rose from the dead and trust in it. Salvations, conceal me. Look with me next. Up. Let me give you two more reasons to rejoice, and we're out here. First, that, you know my sermons. The first two points are always long, and last too quick. So don't get too worried. I like this one. Salvation's curiosity. Did I put that up there? I did. Amen. Read with me, verse twelve. You want a reason to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory? <laughs> we sing that song, but we sing a lot of other songs. We sang one today. I was laughing while we were singing it. And I love the song. We're not going to quit singing it because it's a good song. Amen. There's a new name written down in glory. Amen. And we sang about the angels, the white-wormed angels singing, right? And boy, I'm telling you, we got so many songs of angels singing and angels rejoicing when somebody gets saved. And it's not really biblically true. See, the angels don't understand salvation. We got something that they don't even understand. Look with me, verse 12. Read with me, real quick. The Bible says right at the end of it. He says, unto whom it was revealed, I'll read the whole thing, y'all me. <laughs> to unto whom it was revealed that not unto himself, but unto us, they did minister those things. That's his Old Testament prophets. They, they weren't even ministering to themselves. They were ministering to us today, Peter said. He's, he said to this crowd that was under persecution, they wrote these for you. He says to us today, living in the church, age, they wrote these things for you because you could understand it all because you're at the end of it. And you see the details filled in. He said, now which are reported unto them that have preached the gospel unto you by the Holy Ghost. That's what's happening today. Hey, it's sent down from heaven. Which things? What things are you talking about there? That. All these wonderful truths of salvation. Which things the angels desire to look into? Y'all see that with me? I mean, their curiosity's up. They don't understand how great redemption is because they've never been redeemed. They really can't even sing about our redemption. Because they don't understand it. They, they can't praise the Lord for it, although they're praising the Lord because there's folks all around on praising the Lord. The Bible never says that the angels are rejoicing. Listen to what it says. It, it says it real clear in Luke 15:10. It says, Likewise, Jesus, I say unto you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. Who's in the presence of the angel? That may be our souls that have gone on before us in faith, but also who else is there? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Amen. Hey, It never said the angels sing the song, the angels rejoice. It said there's rejoicings amongst the angels. Our brothers and sisters, and fathers and mothers, and grandmas and grandpas, all those that have gone on before us. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I don't know what they know and I don't know what they can see. I don't understand all that and what, what's going on on earth. But I believe there's probably some type of announcement up there. Hey, hey, Mike Wells on 2000, 2001 beside that old race car on, in the month of May. He, he bowed his head tonight. He trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And there was rejoicing going on amongst the angels. Jesus said, Yes, that's what I died for. Yes, that's the one I love. Yes, and the saints of God, some of them maybe even knew me, said, I can't believe that. <laughs> but then they said, Glory to God. And the same thing happened when you got saved. Amen. Rejoicing the saints. Now listen, they are so curious about this redemption. I, I, I just picture it this way. One old preacher said, they're, 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 they're like, you know, those neighbors that hear something outside. And pick up the little blind. Yeah, what's going on over there? (laughs) That's what I picture the angels at. They said, man, everybody's excited. Uh, And we understand somebody got saved, but what does that mean? They've never experienced it. They've never understood it. But they were awful curious to know about it. That's a reason to rejoice. We know something that the Old Testament prophets didn't even fully understand, that the angels of God in the presence of Jesus don't even understand, and that is we can have our souls saved for an eternity. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Redemption. Finally, we can rejoice because of this. Salvation's call. Salvation's call. Look with me one more time, verse 12. The Bible says, unto whom it was revealed that Not unto yourselves, but unto us they did minister. Talking about these Old Testament prophets ministering uh, to us now in this time. Because we could read those words and we can connect the dots because we have the revealing of what was concealed to them. But look what he says next. Which are now presently, Peter said, in his day and now presently in our day reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel. It's all through the book. That's all this book's about, the gospel. Unto you with the Holy Ghost. They said, what's he saying there? Peter's saying, just like those Old Testament prophets preached about the suffering, about the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Messiah was to come, even though they didn't know who it was, today God has called some preachers, he's called them and he fills them, just like you get filled with the Holy Ghost of God, and he calls them not to show off, not to to show up, he calls them to preach one thing, and one thing only, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, how Christ loves you so much, he died for you, was buried and rose again, and he said, listen, that same truth they preach and listen they're still preaching you today and God sent them to you so you wouldn't go to hell and be separated from him just believes what he's saying and listen I got some good news they didn't understand those Old Testament prophets who, who the Messiah was but I'm here to tell you I know who he was I got the book his name was Jesus and he is the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father but by him Hey listen, there's no other, neither is there any salvation in any other, there's no other name given under heaven amongst men whereby we must be saved. Jesus came for one reason the Bible tells us, to seek and save that which is lost. And friends, that might be you today. If you're the only one who ever lived, he still would have come. Because he loves you that much. And he's drawing all men to himself. Jesus himself said this in John 12, 32. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Now, I know we use that as a reason to praise God and worship God and say, so We got to lift him up. That didn't really mean it. Get your context. He said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Can I remind you, he was lifted up at Calvary when they nailed his wrist to the cross, when they nailed his. When he bled and died for your sin, friend, for my sin, and for the sins of the whole world. He loved you so much. He paid the price for your sin for you. So you don't have to pay it. Thank God. And we know who he is. We know who the one they prophesied about was. His name is Jesus. And listen to what Jesus himself said in Mark 1.15. About how to be saved. He said here it is. The shortest most clear way I know to explain it. He said here's your job. It's really to do nothing. Except change your mind. And believe. No work. He said repent ye. And believe the gospel. What does that mean? Repent simply means I'm going to change my mind. I got to change my mind. First and foremost about my sin. I need to understand that I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. By the way, all of us have. Amen. i got to understand there's none righteous, no, not one. And I need to agree with God and change my mind and agree with Him that I am a sinner that deserves to be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. Change my mind. Repent. Not only about my sin, but also about myself. So many times we all caught up and, boy, if I do more good than bad, then maybe I get to go to heaven. Friends, there are no scales. There's nothing you can do to merit heaven except, except believe in what, what Jesus, Jesus has done. He's finished. It's finished. To tell us to "Die," he said, hang on that cross. It is finished. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy He saved us. And then not only repent of our sin, change our mind about our sin, confess that, and agree with God about our sin and about ourselves. Nothing we can do to save ourselves. Most importantly, we need to change our mind, repent about our Savior. It's faith towards God, our faith in Jesus Christ, and repentance towards God. Change our mind about God. There's only one way to heaven, and His name is Jesus, and He's been revealed today. The one that was concealed. Then. Repent ye, change your mind. And believe the gospel. We know what the gospel is. Paul told us clearly. 1 Corinthians 15. 1, he said I declare unto you the gospel. Verse 2 he said by which ye are saved. Verse number 3. That makes that pretty important. Don't you agree? If there's a message. The gospel. Though, if there's some good news. By which we're saved. I certainly want to know what that message is. Don't you? I'm glad he told us. Verse 3 he said how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And was buried and rose again the third day. According to the to the scriptures. That's it, friends. Isn't that simple? Because he did it all. Change your mind about your sin. Change your mind about yourself. Change your mind about your Savior. Believe, put your full weight and trust in the fact that Jesus died for you, was buried for you, rose again for you. That's the gospel message. How, preacher? How? Romans 10 9 makes it clear that if thou, that's you, that's me shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Confess means I agree with God. Say the same thing he says about my sin, myself, nothing I can do. I'm a sinner separated from God. And I believe that Jesus is a Savior. I shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. There's your gospel message. Thou shalt be saved. Not might be, not I hope so. My question for you this morning is, have you, have you done that? Have you believed and repented? Put your trust in. Because we can rejoice today because God's calling. And he's calling every one of us to repentance and to faith. If you've never come to that place, get it settled today. And rejoice with us with a joy unspeakable. And full of glory. If you'd stand. Father we thank you. For the message today. We thank you today. That we have revealed to us Lord. Truths that were concealed. Even in the Old Testament. Even to these prophets Lord. That wrote to us under the inspiration of God. Lord we have truths revealed to us. That even the angels. Didn't. Understand and don't understand. And Lord, that truth of redemption, that truth of salvation, it's available to every one of us this very morning. Lord, for Christians in this room, it's time that we remember to rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Not only for what you have done, but for what you are doing and are going to do presently. But Lord, for one here, maybe several here this morning, that have never put their trust in Your Bible says today is the day of salvation. I've explained as clearly as I know how. If they would just turn, change their mind, and agree with you that you're the only way to heaven, that you died for them, that you were buried, that you rose again, and by faith put their trust in you, they could rejoice about this redemption that Peter wrote about and the Old Testament prophets wrote about. Father, if there's one in this room that's never done that, right now I pray that you convict their heart and show them their need of Jesus before it's eternally too late. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Two questions questions with every every head bowed and eyes closed this morning. Number one, I just want to ask you this. When's the last time you truly rejoiced about your salvation? about everything that God's shown us that even the angels and the Old Testament prophets didn't understand. I'm going to play a song here in a few minutes and you're going to be invited. Just, just listen to the words of the song oh, and rejoice in that wonderful fact. Second thing is just simply this. Maybe you're here today and you can't rejoice in it because you never trusted Him. Right now, right where you are, if you understand you're a sinner, And you're willing to confess that to an almighty God. You don't confess it to me. You confess it to God. And you're willing to put your trust in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation. Right now, confess with your mouth while you believe in your heart. Pray something like this from your heart. The words of the prayer don't save you. It's not the prayer that saves you. It is the person and object of the prayer who saves you. But he did say confession of the mouth is necessary.
1: If that's you today, right now, right where
0: you stand, privately. You do business with God, pray something like this from your heart Father God, I confess to you and agree to you, with you today that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I believe he was buried that he rose again the third day for my sin. The best way I understand, I'm turning to you now, Lord Jesus. Putting my trust completely in your finished work at Calvary. Thank you. name I pray with every head still bowed and every eye still closed no one's looking around listen we're not going to embarrass you I'm not going to call you out I just don't, we don't do that here but I do want to pray for you if today you just got that settled and you asked the Lord to save you you just with no one looking just slip your hand up say Preacher, pray for me I ask God to save me today real quick put it up put it back down and is all I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. Anybody pray like that, that in the room? I got my eternity settled. I asked Jesus to save me today. Not only did I pray, pray that, but I believed it in my heart while I prayed it. Anybody like, like that in the room? How about, about you Christians? When's the last time you rejoiced? For understanding the fact that we understand things that those Old Testament, Testament prophets and even the angels don't understand. About how great Our redemption is, if we listen to the song.
1: marching in to our home beyond the sky. As we meet our blessed Savior, all the angels will form a band. They start to sing a song, but God turns to them and says, Angels. angels, Our children see
0: Something that even the angels don't know. That we can be redeemed by the blood of Christ. God bless you.